Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Today we're in the midst of a series called Make a Difference and uh, kicked this off on our Vision Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Our vision statements here at the Life Church is love God, love people, and make a difference, and so that's where the title for this series is being drawn from. The first week, I talked about how we can make a difference by serving, and uh, we are we are not just saved to go to heaven, we're saved to serve, and Jesus didn't come to be served, he came to serve, and so we ought to be following his example and doing everything that we can for others And uh, as we serve others, we're doing it as unto the Lord. That's what Matthew 25 tells us. And then last Sunday, if you were here, or maybe if you weren't here, I talked about being bold in our faith, just like what happened with the disciples after they witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you've had a personal experience with God for yourself, you you ought to do something with it. You ought to tell somebody else. You ought to pass it along. You ought to have a little bit of boldness and say, it's not about me, it's about him. He's been so good to me, I I just got to tell it, right? Today I want to talk to you about another way that we can make a difference with our lives. But before I get to the actual topic, uh, let me talk to you just for a minute about uh, human, human selfishness. And the fact of the matter is that, that nobody... Nobody has to be taught to be selfish, and if you don't believe me, then uh, you might not have been around a two-year-old lately. You you don't have to teach a two-year-old to be selfish with their toys. You don't have to teach them how to get down on the floor and throw a fit. You don't have to give them screaming lessons. No, they just, by nature, they, they get it, and because it comes... Uh, with, with the territory as, as human beings. By nature, people are inherently selfish, right? We're born that way. And, uh, you know, when you, when you think about that, then it it's, shouldn't be a surprise to us that that has pervaded, that, it, that is pervasive in our culture and that our culture is very, very self-focused. Our, our culture is self-serving. It's about self promoting and and it's hey gratify yourself indulge yourself that's the message that this world preaches to us constantly get what you can get get while the getting's good it's all about you right and, and so Jesus on the other hand runs counter to culture and and this is what he said in Matthew 16:24 he said if anyone desires to come after me He doesn't say to be selfish. He doesn't say to indulge yourself, but he says deny yourself. If you want to be mine, if you want to live my way, if you want to be in my kingdom, if you want my blessings, if you want my favor on your life, you don't live like society lives. You don't do what everybody else does, but deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So in other words, Jesus is saying, listen, when you come and follow me, it's not about you anymore. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. 
When we become disciples of Jesus, it becomes about his desires. It becomes about his plans. It becomes about his purpose, what he loves and what he cares about. And when we get on the same page as God, that's when we begin to make a difference. When we start living out the example of Jesus Christ, that's when we can shine brighter than ever before because it's counter to our culture. It's different than what we see in the world. I don't know about you, but I don't want to fit in in this world. Well, there's a couple of us. I wish there was a few more of us. This world's not my home. I'm passing through. Hallelujah. And so my values aren't going to be derived from this culture. My values aren't going to be derived from the world. They're going to be derived from the Word of God. Praise God. So rather than being selfish like our society, let's, let's look at what God's Word says to us in Proverbs 21, verse number 26. In this verse, King Solomon, he's talking to people who are lazy He's talking to people who are are selfish, and here's what he says in that verse. He says, he, speaking of the selfish, he covets greedily all day long, but here's the contrast. The righteous gives and does not spare. To help make that a little more plain, let's, let's look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, some people are always greedy for more. Give me more. I've got to get more. I need more. Uh, I need more in my bank account. I need the latest and greatest technology. I need a new car. I need a bigger house. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. So, yes, even though it's natural to be selfish and greedy in our culture, I want you to know, church, there is another way to live. There is another option. There is a better way, and it's the way of the righteous. It's the way of the godly. And rather than being greedy, you can be generous. Rather than being greedy, you can be a giver. Amen. The Word of God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. There may be some of you are thinking right now, here we go. I showed up on the wrong Sunday. Pastor's going to talk about money, and the church is always talking about money. But if you believe that, then you hadn't been around this church very long. And here's what I believe, that if you'll let your guard down today, you've got a chance to be blessed by the Word of God. And, and here's the second thing for those of you who are bowing up on me a little bit. I've been pastor here for over nine years, and I've never done what I'm getting ready to do today on a Sunday. I've taught on giving on Wednesdays. I allude to it from time to time, but as far as taking a whole um, lesson or message, I don't, I don't know that I've done this before on, on, on a Sunday, but I'm going to stay in the book. Is that okay? And I, I'm not preaching for self-gain. Amen. I, I, I take a salary from this church that's set by our board, not set by me. So I don't, I don't stand to benefit from this today. This is about you. This is about you living in a better place. This is about you living blessed. This is about you living according to God's principles communicated through his word. And I don't want to withhold that from you. Amen. I want you to, I want your family to be, I want your kids to be blessed. 
I want you to make a difference with your life. Amen. I'm not just talking about giving today as it pertains to giving to the church, but I want to talk about the broader concept of generosity. Because I think if you'll stop and think about it, really all of us want to be generous. Right? We all want to be, we all want to be givers. We, we want to be a blessing to someone else. So that's what I'm challenging us today is to, to open our hearts. And rather than living our lives like this with a closed and a clenched fist, to, to begin to live our lives like this. God, if you put it here, God, if you want to bless me, I want to be a steward. Hallelujah. And if you want to bless me, then I'll be a blessing with what you bless me with. I think that all of us would say, hey, yeah, that, I'd, I'd, I'd like to live like that. I'd like to be someone who is not always on the receiving end, but someone who steps into the place where God begins to use you and God begins to honor your faithfulness and says, I'm going to multiply what you have so you can be a blessing to others. Somebody shout amen. amen. So let me share with you three mindsets about generosity. The first mindset is the bag mindset, the bag mindset. The person who has a bag mindset believes, you know what, I've got everything I have in this bag and it's not enough. It's never going to be adequate. It's never going to be sufficient. It's not going to be enough. And honestly, this is the mindset that I had in the younger years of my life. I, I, I remember thinking, you know, and during, during my high school years, I'm going I'm I'm to graduate from high school and, and I'm going to go to college and then nobody's going to want to hire me. Why is there going to be a place for me? Why is there going to be enough money for me to make when all these other people are out there already in the workforce and they're already getting all the money that's out there? But this is known as a scarcity mindset. Maybe some of you are familiar with that. There's scarcity and abundance. And my mindset in my early years was one of scarcity that, you know, I've got I've to hold on to what I have because that's all there's going to be. I've got to hold on to, to what I have and I've got to protect it because if I don't, then I'm going to find myself lacking one day. I remember my dad, when, when I was a, a young man, he, he, he called me a miser. And uh, many, many, many times he, he called me a miser. And, and he's like, Shay, you know, you probably had the first dollar you've ever earned. My older brother came to me to borrow money. And then I was that lender who the next day was like, hey, you got my money? Hey, you got my money? Why? Because I had a bag mentality. I had a scarcity mindset. And we see this in the Word of God. We see it with the people of Israel in the book of Haggai. You see, God's people during this time, they weren't living according to God's precepts. They weren't doing things God's way. They weren't putting the Lord and the work of the Lord first. As a matter of fact, they were taking care of themselves. And rather than rebuilding the temple of God, the Bible says they were building their own houses. They didn't put first things first. They put themselves first. So God told them through the prophet Haggai in Haggai 1 and 6, he said, you have sown much, yet you bring in little. You're out there in the, in, in, in the fields, and you're putting the seed out, but you're not getting much in return. You eat, but you don't have enough. You're not full. You drink, and you're not full. You're not satisfied, in other words. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. 
He who earns wages, he earns wages to put into a bag with holes. That's the bag mindset. And I'd say that most people in our country, this is the way that that they live. They they don't put trust in God first. They don't put God first in their life. And and because of that, they they believe that enough is never enough and that what comes in is just going to go out. And what's put in the bag, there's holes in the bag. And so they've got to try to mend the bag and just just tighten down their their, their clamps on what they have. But there's, there's holes in the bag. And because of the bag mindset, generosity is not an option for them because there's not enough. There'll never be enough in the bag. I want you to think about this. In the New Testament, Judas, Judas was the disciple who betrayed Jesus, but Judas also carried the bag for the disciples, didn't he? He was the treasurer. He was the money keeper. And there's an account in John chapter 12. It's a very powerful story about Mary of Bethany. And, and the Bible says that she had this, this, this alabaster box, this flask, and it was full of expensive perfume. And, and she came to Jesus and she broke it open and she poured the contents of that, of that box on Jesus' feet and she began to wipe his feet with her hair. It was, it was a mind-blowing thing. It was an extravagant act. This perfume was equal to a year's worth of wages. In our day, it would be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. So this lady, she worshiped Jesus and she didn't hold back. She worshiped him liberally. She worshiped him extravagantly because what Jesus meant to her and because of what Jesus had done for her. And in this setting, in this place of extravagant worship, Judas The guy who holds the bag, he spoke up in verse 5 of John 12, and here's what he asked. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? For this he said, not that he cared for the poor. He cared for himself. He was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it for himself. You see, church, Judas had a distorted view because he loved money. And if you'll trace it out, it wasn't very long after this that this guy who got mad about extravagant worship, this guy who got mad about what Mary did, he ended up betraying Jesus for what? For money, for 30 pieces of silver. Why? Because he had a bag mentality. He had a bag mindset. He wanted to get a little bit more. He wanted to get his hands on a little bit more to put in his bag. This scarcity bag mindset. There's another mindset, and it's, it's called the basket mindset. In the bag, there's never enough, but in the basket, there, there actually is. There is enough. And we can see the blessings of the basket kind of mindset in Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning with verse 2, where it says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Because why? You obey the voice of the Lord your God. Come on, if we'll just get synced up with the Scripture, if we'll just get synced up with the Word of God, There's blessings that will overtake you. In Haggai's time, they didn't put God first. They were taking care of themselves rather than taking care of God's house. 
But in the, when, they, when they got it right, here's what happens in verse number three. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, and blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Everywhere you go, you're going to be blessed. The produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. In other words, when you put God first, there's going to be enough. In the New Testament, Luke 6 and 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. He didn't say keep. He didn't say guard. He didn't say hoard. He said give. Give, and it shall be given to you. How? Good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over shall it be given unto your bosom. The people who were hearing it, he under, they understood in that culture, they understood what Jesus was talking about here. If they were to go get a, a, a basket full of grain and to take that home to their family, you know what? No man wants to get a basket of grain for their family and say, you know what, just, just fill it half the way full, that's fine. No, nobody's like, hey, just fill it 75% full. No, they're like, fill that thing up. Fill it up. This is for me and my family, and so fill it up to the top. I, I don't know if any of you guys rake your leaves at your, at your yard or you got somebody to do it for you. But you know what? I, I buy these yard waste bags, these, these, pap, these brown paper bags, and, and I get out there and you can get a, you can get a pile of leaves, just a, a couple of handfuls, armfuls, and put them in that bag, and guess what? It's full. Full to the top. But I paid for those bags. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to press them down. I'm going to press them down. I'm going to push and push and cram. I'm going to shake it. I'm going to do whatever because I need to get more leaves in that bag. That's the image that you see here. you got a basket full of grain. You don't want just a little bit, but you're going to press it down and say, hey, I'm going to make some room for some more. There may be some air pockets in here, so I'm going to shake that basket a little bit. I want it to be overflowing. I don't know about you, but when I go get ice cream, and they're scooping my scoop of ice cream. I, I don't want no little scoop. I want them to dig that scoop down there deep and roll it and roll it and come on. Don't give me a high, half scoop when I pay for a whole scoop. As a matter of fact, if you want to bless me, you can give me a big giant scoop. But Jesus said if you'll give, it's going to come back to you in that way. It's going to come back good measure, a healthy portion, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the measure that you use, that's how it's going to be measured back to you. Amen. Listen, if you live your life like this, this is what you're going to get. Because with what measure you use, that's the measure God's going to use in return. If you're like, you know what, I'm just going to give a little bit, and I'm going to have a scarcity mindset, and I'm just going to do this, and I'm, I'm just going to do the minimum, then, then, then God is going to use that same measure in bringing it back to you. Well, praise God. I'm hoping some people will open their hands say, okay, God, you put it in it. It's yours. You put it in my hand, and it's yours for you to do what you want to do with it. Hallelujah. The measure that you use 
God will use in return in your life. Listen, Jesus knew that when you keep what you have, then that's all you'll have. But when you give it, you open the door of blessing. When you give it, you put it in God's hands. And when it gets in God's hands, the supernatural can happen. When it gets in God's hands, God can multiply what you give him. Can I get a witness today? Has anybody experienced, does anybody believe what I'm preaching today? Give, and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. I'm talking about generosity. I'm talking about making a difference with your life. I'm talking about being blessed so you can be a blessing to others. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In 1 Kings 17, there was a widow in Zarephath. She had a young son. And this poor widow only had, the Bible tells us, she only had a little bit of oil. She only had a little bit of flour left in the house. So being overwhelmed by her lack of sustenance, she decided she was going to make one last meal. One last loaf of bread for her and her son to eat. And then after they ate, all that was left, they were going to die. The prophet Elijah showed up. You know what he did? He asked that lady who had a little bit, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. So she shared a story. She told him, hey, I, let me tell you what's getting ready to happen here. I've just got a little bit. It's just me and my boy here. We, we've just got a little bit. We're about to make this one last meal, and then we're going to die. And that's when Elijah challenged her in verses 14 and 15 of 1 Kings 17. Here's what Elijah said. He said, do not fear. You know what? Many times the reason we live like this is because of fear. Many times the reason we don't give is because we're afraid. What about me? What about me? Hallelujah. But the first thing Elijah said was, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake first. In other words, put the work of God first. Put the kingdom of God first. Somebody say first. Make a small cake for me first and bring it to me. And then after that, he's speaking faith here. He's letting her know there's a promise if you want it. Remember, she just had a little bit. She just had enough for her and her son. But he's saying, you make it for me, and then after that, you're going to have some for, you, some for you and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour, the basket of flour, shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And I want you to know that's when this widow, who had nearly nothing, she made a courageous decision. She made a faith-filled decision. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to live according to kingdom principle. And listen, if you read the rest of the story, God took that little bit and he multiplied it. And he multiplied it. And he multiplied it. And the flour didn't run out. And the oil didn't run out. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I'm talking about our God today. He's a God of abundance. He's not a God of a little bit. Hallelujah. In the New Testament, Jesus was teaching about 5,000 men one day, 5,000 men plus women and children. 
Everybody was getting hungry. Nobody had any food except this little boy stopped by Captain D's. The Bible says he had two fishes, about five pieces of bread in his little lunch basket. But listen, instead of that little boy keeping what he had in his basket to himself, instead of that little boy having the bag mentality, hey, I, I, I gotta, I'm going to get hungry. I'm, I'm hungry. I need this. Mom packed this for me. Instead of having that kind of mindset, he surrendered it. He gave it to Jesus. And then when Jesus got a hold of it, what did Jesus do? Jesus blessed it. And Jesus multiplied it. And those 5,000 people plus women and children, they had enough to eat, the Bible says. As a matter of fact, there were 12 baskets, leftovers that were remaining. Because when we give instead of keep, God has a chance to do the supernatural. When we give, when we release it into God's hands, rather than hoarding it and keeping it for ourselves, God can multiply it. And when he multiplies it, it becomes more than enough. So the final mindset is the bag mindset, the basket mindset. The final one is the barn. This isn't about scarcity like I talked about that was the mindset that I had, but this, this is about abundance. Hallelujah. And I, I want to live in, in abundance. I, I want God to continue to work on me in this area. Listen, we serve an abundant God. We are his offspring. We ought to look like our daddy. We ought to act like our daddy. He was a God of abundance. You see, in God's kingdom, there's always more than enough. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 tells us, honor the Lord with your possessions. In other words, with what you have. Honor him with your possessions, but also with the first fruits of your increase. So when God increases you, you earn, you honor God. Why? Verse 10 tells us why. So that your barns may be filled with plenty and that your vats will overflow with new, new wine. Listen, church, when we do things God's way instead of insisting on doing them our way, when we put God first instead of putting our wants first, that's where the blessing abides. That, that, that's where the multiplication can take place. We enter into the realm where the barns are filled with plenty and the vats overflow. But listen, we've got to understand that God wants to be first in our life. And when he's first, that's what he honors. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. Before you seek your kingdom, seek God's kingdom. Before you see about your wants, see about what God wants you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do that, all these other things are going to be added. Hallelujah. I know that's an easy verse of scripture to quote. I know that's an easy verse of scripture to read, but it's a little harder to live, isn't it? Seek first, first, first. Seek first. Seek him first. Not, not last. Not, not after you've tried everything else. Seek him first. 
That's what we've been doing around here as a church. As we've entered into this into, into this new year, we, we took 21 days uh, uh, last month here at the first of, of January, the first of 2023, and we said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna seek your fa- face, Lord, and we're gonna spend some time in your Word, and and we're gonna make we're gonna set the tone for the rest of the year because we want you to be we want you to be in our lives, and so we're gonna honor you right here at the beginning, and we're gonna seek you." This past week was Life Focus Week, and and there were people praying and fasting, and we had 24 hours of prayer Friday and Saturday. Why? Because at the beginning of the month, we said, God, we're going to seek you. We're going to seek first your kingdom. And that's what you're doing here today on the first day of the week. Some of you are saying, hey, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And before you go to work this afternoon or before you go to work tomorrow, you're saying, I got to get in God's house. I got to let the Lord know how I feel about him. I'm going to put him first. And that's what we need to do with any increases that the Lord gives us. We put him first. In the Old Testament, it was called first fruits. First fruits. It was also called the tithe in the Old Testament. And that word tithe in the Hebrew, it literally means one-tenth. Amen. I'm so thankful that, that God chose 10% instead of 12.5% or eight and three quarters. He's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to give you the easiest math, math problem there is, 10%. 10%. In other words, whatever God gives to us, in an act of worship and an obedience to him, we return a tenth back to him. And in so doing, we're saying, God, this doesn't make sense to my carnal mind, but I'm going to do this because I trust you to be my provider. I'm going to give you one-tenth of my increase because I'm going to put you first in every single area of my life. Amen. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So listen, if you're wondering, does God really have all your heart? Are you tithing? Are you giving that first 10%? Because most likely that's your your treasure. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You go, oh, I live for God. I love God. I love the the worker. But, But are you honoring him in this way? When you give of your first 10%, you're acknowledging to God, everything I own, everything that I have, everything comes from you. You are my provider, and so I'm returning my first fruits to you. You're the one who gave it, so I give you your part back. Exodus 13 and 2 says this, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, and whatever opens the womb, Among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. That's what the Lord says. In other words, if you were living during that time period and you had a sheep that gave birth to a lamb, you were to give God the first lamb. Everybody say the first lamb. You wouldn't wait until you had ten lambs and now you can afford to give the first lamb. No, you gave God the first lamb. You wouldn't wait until there was a diseased one or a frail one. Hey, you know what? This is the ugly one. It's not going to bring much at market. No, you gave God the first one. That, That was the expectation. Now look at verse 13 of Exodus 13. This is what God says. He says, but every firstborn of a donkey 
you shall redeem with a what? With a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, break its neck. This is, how, this is how seriously God felt about this. This is, this is how strongly he was trying to get this principle in his people. Listen, if you'll do it my way, you'll be blessed. If you'll just put it in my hands, I'm going to give it back to you. If you'll just give it to me, then I can do something with it. I will bless it. I will multiply it. But if you insist on doing it your way, you might as well go ahead and kill that donkey because it's not going to be blessed. I know, I know that sounds brutal. I know when we read that in, in, in you know, kind of our, our context here today, you know, talk about killing a donkey, that, 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 seems, that seems odd, that seems strange. But hear me out just a moment. Word of God and under the law, there are two types of animals. There's clean and there's unclean. How many of you remember the story of Noah? Noah and the ark. All the animals came, came to the ark, right? The clean and the unclean. Seven of one type and two of the other. And there's these animals and they're, they're coming. And so there's animals, they fit in these categories. They are, they are either clean or they are unclean. And according to the word of God, a lamb or a sheep is considered to be a clean animal. And a donkey is an unclean animal. That's why it's not nice to be called a donkey. It's unclean. So if you had an unclean donkey that was born and you wanted to redeem that unclean animal, you were to purchase the right for that unclean donkey and that, that, that ability for that donkey to live, the way that you redeemed it was you took a lamb and you offered a lamb in its place. And if you failed to redeem that unclean donkey, you were to kill the donkey. You take a lamb and you offer it for what's unclean. So let's live it to where let's bring it to where we live right here today. The Bible tells us that we are born in sin. We were born unclean, church. We were shapen in iniquity, in sin did our mother conceive us, and that's why we don't have to learn how to sin. That's why we don't have to teach two-year-olds how to be selfish because we have a sinful nature. We are born unclean, but I'm thankful for Jesus Christ who is the spotless Lamb of God. And in him is no sin. There was no guile found in his mouth. Yes, Jesus was tempted in all ways, just like we are. Yet he was without sin. To take it further, Jesus didn't inherit a sin nature from his earthly father because his mother Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. So yes, we're unclean. But he is clean in every way. He is the Lamb of God. And you know what he did? He gave himself. He looked down through history and said, there's a whole lot of unclean people. And I want them to be able to live. And so I'm going to become the spotless lamb. I'm going to become the sacrificial lamb. And I'm going to give myself. I'm going to redeem them from their uncleanness. Listen, church, he gave to us first. Romans 5 and 8 bears that out when it says, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, before you ever knew to bow your knee to him, he gave his life for you. Before he ever knew that you were going to be here on a Sunday in February, he shed his blood for you. 
before you ever found an altar of repentance, he was willing to die on your behalf and redeem you from your sinfulness. God gave first the clean for the unclean, the sinless for the sinful. He gave first. So before you bow up today, before you think, you know, how dare you preach a message like this? Listen, God doesn't ask us to do something that he hasn't already done for us. And he did it first. And we worship him because of what he gave to us. Is there anybody here who found yourself in an unclean situation and are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that washes you white as snow? Though your sins be as scarlet. Oh, hallelujah, he makes us clean. He makes us clean. Because he gave first. We ought to put him first in every area of our lives. And listen, can I encourage you today, not just to tithe, not just to give 10%, but give the first 10%. Give it first. Come on, giving it last really isn't trusting God. Well, after I've paid the bills, after I've bought my clothes, after I've had my entertainment, after we've gone out to eat, after I've got my Starbucks, and then if I've got some left over, then no, no, no. Giving at last isn't trusting. But when you say, God, before I pay the first bill, before I do anything that I want to do, God, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to take care of your house. I'm going to take care of your work. I'm going to abide by your principles. I'm going to be faithful in the small things. I'm going to be faithful in the little things. I want to make you first in all areas of my life. Some of you may be new, and some of you may be thinking, you know what, this is mind-blowing. This guy really expects me to give 10%. This may be revolutionary to some of you today to think about giving this way, and it may take incredible faith for you to begin to do so. But listen, the only time in the Word of God where we are implored to put God to the test is when it comes to giving. We're not told him to test him. We're not told to test him at any other place. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Does anybody want the lights to be on when you come here? Does anybody want there to be some fresh bread, the bread of the word of God ready to be broken when you come to this place? He said, bring the tithe to the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And do what? What does he say? Try me now in this. In what? And bringing your tithes and giving. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that there won't be room enough in your barn. It doesn't say barn. Where are you going to put it? In a barn. He said, try me. Test me. See, see if I won't, see if I won't keep my word. See if I won't bless you. If you'll do this, if you'll bring your tithes into the storehouse, then you free me to multiply. If you'll just live in obedience to my word, if you'll just take a step of faith, then you free me to do the supernatural. When you act in obedience, when you put God first, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, such a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. 
Listen, I don't believe this refers to finances only. You know, I don't want anybody to confuse what I'm saying today. I'm not saying that if you give $10 today that this week you're going to get an envelope, an unmarked envelope with $100 in it. I'm not saying that. You might. Sometimes God does work that way. This isn't, this isn't how we, you know, invest our money. You know, I'm going to do this and do this because I want this kind of return. It's not in finances only, but God brings it back to you in so many other ways. He brings it to you in peace. Peace that surpasses understanding. I don't know what you think about that, but that's priceless. Amen. You can take your $100 bill. I'll take peace. He'll bring you joy, and he'll bring you contentment. He'll bring you spiritual blessings. If you'll just put him first, if you'll just say, okay, God, I'm going to try it. I'm going to put you to the test. Hallelujah. Musicians, come. Listen, in the first few years of me being pastor here, and I wasn't planning to do this, not in my notes, but in the first few years of being here, dealing with a lot of people who didn't understand tithing, a lot of new people, a lot of new believers. And so I taught a little bit on giving. And I said something. I said, okay, we're, God makes a guarantee in his word. We're going to stand with God. And we're going to make a guarantee to you. And I told the people, if there's anybody here who is a new tither, who will tithe for three months, three months in a row. We did this, I think, in October, it was November, October, November, December. I said, anybody will tithe the last three months of this year. And you'll do what the Word of God says. We'll put God to the test. If at the end of that three months, if you, if you feel like God hasn't taken care of you, God hasn't blessed you, I want you to come to me, and we will give you all of your tithes back, no questions asked. I'll extend that offer today. You know why? Because I believe it. And of all those people who heard that teaching, we had a whole lot of people who started tithing, but not a single one came and said, hey, it didn't work. But you know what did happen? I started getting testimonies. I started hearing reports. Hey, I got a, I, I, I got a raise on the job. God bless me. I got an unexpected settlement. This happened, that happened. Because God said, try me. And there's people all over this church today who've become generous. And God says, hey, I'll put it in your hand if you'll use it to bless others, if you'll use it to bless my kingdom. Oh, hallelujah, somebody worship the Lord right now. Somebody worship the Lord. God, we want to be generous. We want to be generous. We want to put you first. So how did God give? He gave and he didn't hold back. And he gave first. For so much of my life, I was holding back. I was even holding back of my life. God was trying to call me to preach, and I'm like, I got plans. I made good grades in school. I got a scholarship to this college. I was holding back. I had this, I had the bag mindset, I had the scarcity mindset. But I got a revelation of the abundance of God. I know it's trite, I know it's cliche, but you can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And listen. That, that, that's why here at this church, we don't want to just be a receiving church. We want to be a giving church. We want to give to our community. We want to serve our community. 
That, that's why a year ago, almost 11 months ago, last March, when we were getting ready to start raising money for the expansion of the, the worship center and the lobby and the parking, that we didn't say, hey, let's, let's scuttle our missions giving this year and let's have everybody put their focus on giving. Let's just give to ourselves. Let's just, let's just take care of our needs. No, we're like, uh-uh, we're not doing that. We're not going to have an inward mindset because if we'll take care of God's business, if we'll do what matters to the heart of God, if we'll get on God's page, if we'll say, hey, this is about others, it's not about ourselves. And you know what happened? Yes, we took up, we took up pledges for the building and our Make a Difference offering, but we also pledged for missions, and it exceeded anything we'd ever done before. We blew the lid off because we got a church that's saying, hey, we want to make our lives count. We want to invest in the work. We want to see souls saved, not just here in North Dallas, but we want to see it happen in Papua New Guinea. We want to see it happen in El Salvador. We want to see it happen in Asia. Because when we give to God, we've been put it in His hands. He can multiply it. That's living in the barn blessings of God. You pour out a blessing you can't contain. That's how we make a difference, church. It's not by living in a selfish posture like the world. It's not by having all the spotlight and attention on us. It's not being about what we want, what we want, what we want, what we want first, and what God asks for second. Let me remind you, verse that I read at the beginning, Proverbs 20, 26 says, some people are always greedy for more. I don't know about you, but I don't want that on my epitaph. I don't want that to be what people say about me. Man, he was, he was a miser. He was tight. He never gave. Some people are greedy for more, but the godly, they live a different way, and they love. They love. They delight. They give cheerfully. They love to give. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, we give like the Lamb of God gave. And He gave first, and He didn't hold back. So if you're here today, maybe you didn't come to hear a message about giving. Maybe you came because you're in need. Maybe you came because you're hurting. Maybe you came because you're lost. Well, let me tell you something. It's all right. What you've heard today applies to you. The clean died so that the unclean could be redeemed. He gave so you can come and give your life back to Him today. He gave His life for your salvation. So if you've got a need today, if you want to come and give your life, you want to come and surrender, this altar's open right now. I wish that everybody would stand to your feet and I wish some of you would begin to move forward to make it easier for those that want to come. But maybe you're here and you're just like, hey, I want to put God first. I, I haven't been putting Him first in my finances. I, I haven't been putting Him first in my time. I, I've been a little more, self, been more selfish than I need to be and I want to reorder my priorities. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, some of you need to come and say, God, I want to be generous. I want to make a difference in this way. You might not have a whole lot to give. Listen, that's not what it's about. The lady in the New Testament, the Bible says that she gave more than anybody else, but all she gave was two mites. It's not about having much, 
but it's about saying, hey, God, what I have, I'm going to give. I want to be a blessing. I want to be used. I want to be a generous person. I want to be somebody that you can trust. I want to be somebody that you can bless so I can be a blessing to others. Come on, if that's your desire, let's pray right now. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.